pants on. Welcome to Just Up The Trail. I'm Rob Jones. Today, I talked to Ben Haig about his adventures, which he documents on his YouTube channel, Londoner Outdoors. So, Ben and I connected after he started his own podcast, A Wild Camper's Diary. And because of my own very rural childhood and life, really, I was particularly interested in his relationship with the outdoors when living in a massive city, which is, you know, something I know absolutely nothing about. Um, Having always lived in the countryside, or you know, we were secluded on the Isle of Wight for a little while, and now we're down on the south coast on sleepy Portland. It's not quite the hustle and bustle of a massive place like London. And if and if I feel the constant need to get out to cool wild places, I can only imagine what that might be like if I was li- if I was living in a massive city. Um, a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the show. If you can, please follow or subscribe in your podcast app. Maybe leave a review on Spotify or Apple if it's going to be a nice one. Um, and head over to and head over to justupthetrail.com forward slash trailangel for all the different ways that you can support us in what we're doing here at Just Up The Trail. Um, thanks very much. Now here's me chatting to Ben. Oh, so I did... I did record this oh about six weeks ago and then I've been poorly for a little while and I didn't get around to editing it properly until just this week. So Ben, apologize for the delay. Anyway, here's Ben and me talking about getting out. I'm very much a hiker and when I go out, I camp so I can stay out for longer. I might not kind of describe myself as the biggest fan of camping, but it's a means to an end, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I get the impression from your YouTube that you just love a camp. Would that be right? Yeah. It's that whole question, isn't it? Do you camp to hike or do you hike to camp? Hmm. And I was thinking about that this week. And um, I think the main thing is the camping. I love the camping. I mean, that's the reason that I do it. But the, but the hiking is something that if I've got the time, I like to do because it just sort of um, enhances the experience, if you like. You know, so what's really nice is if I've planned a little hike or a circular hike or something and then I can do the camp. And then you get up the next morning and you go, I'm going on somewhere else now. I'm going to and it feels like you're from a sort of mini micro adventure point of view, you're you're making more of the precious time that you have. So, yeah, so I think, you know, the, I says the camping is the number one thing, but I do, where, if I can, do the hike. It's difficult, though, you know, with family. I mean, you know what it's like, you know, just try to squeeze it all in. And the big dream is to do a multi-day hike. I'd love to do the coast to coast by the time I hit my, by the time I hit my next big birthday. And I'd love that. It's just totally on the bucket list. You know, I'd love to do that and maybe do the South Downs way as a warm-up because um, I feel confident with the wild camping, but I'd love to really push myself in terms of the multi-day you know would the South Danes way be your nearest sort of long hike because you're in London aren't you hence the name of your YouTube channel London yeah yeah Yeah, I must never leave London (laughs) (laughs) I might might have to change the YouTube channel I think South Downs way is my nearest one actually because I can get down there from London in about an hour and 20 minutes yeah down to Eastbourne or Winchester 
Uh, both, both really, I suppose. I, I suppose Eastbourne is a bit more direct. Yeah. I've done bits of it. You know, I've done little bits and bobs. You know, I just sort of, you know, I, you know, watched other YouTube video YouTubers or, you know, done a bit of research, read books, listened to podcasts, and gone and sort of explored, you know, bits of it myself. How did you find the wild camping down there? Because um, the nearest sort of national park that I would equate it to would be the New Forest, and I've always had difficulty in the New Forest, and I kind of put them on the same sort of, um, what's the word, economic level, yeah. if you like. It's a funny one because it's um, it's quite unique. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. I mean, some people might find it a bit of a boring hike because it's just it's just you're just walking across hill, chalk hills mm -hmm. you know and occasionally drop down into villages and you're back on the chalk hills it's not i think some people th think it's a it's a walk in the park you know no pun intended but it's but actually it's it's quite hard going i think if you're i mean i, I don't have lots of hiking experience but from what i've heard you know if you're it's a hundred miles of chalk <laughs> yeah and you know, basically bit, um from the winchester end there's a big climb not like if you start in Winchester, one of the first things you you sort of drop down and then you really climb up onto yeah. the, the ridge, and that's quite a beast of a climb that first one, yeah. especially if you're lacking in a bit of fitness when you start your hike. So I've done. Um, I went to a place called Cookmere Haven um, last year, I think, which was in incredible. It's part of the the Seven Sisters, so it's, it's like it's white cliffs. It's like these these. Um, series of cliffs that are quite famous and just the most amazing views i mean it was a, it was a bit of a killer getting up there but my aim was just to get up there for the view to get my tent up and just have some time on my own which is what happened and um so i've done that one i've been to devil's dyke um and got caught in a terrible terrible storm right. a few years ago storm deirdre i think it was when they first started naming the storms and um yeah had to abandon literally had kind of just sideways rain didn't know you know which way was which and had to just literally get out of there um so yeah because it's only i think about 250 meters up but you know it's, it's it really you know you're quite exposed to the elements i mean when you get down to dartmoor as well a lot of dartmoor you're sort of like 300 350 meters above yeah. sea level and the difference just from like we went down um a few weeks ago, uh, first week in August, in, in Ivy Bridge, it was beautiful and sunny and, you know, we were worrying whether we would have enough water. And then by the time we got to the top of the, got on the moor, we could hardly, hardly see your hand in front of your face and, you know, water wasn't an issue because there's enough of it falling from the sky. So it's amazing that what that difference can make, isn't it? It is, isn't it? And um, and I think, I think, you know, perhaps naively we think, people in the southeast think we're sort of we're all right and you know it's not the peak district so it'll be mm -hmm. fine and actually that taught me a lesson that time and I it was pretty bad I mean really really bad I had to we had to um hitchhike to get out of it you know and even the roads were really flooded it was like proper proper storm proper storm you know um so so yeah I so guess going back to what I was saying I I, I uh would, would love to do the South Downs way but it's weather it's how you do when you're a family person and you've got like life commitments is how you do those big trails. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I take the kids with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just think to that on your podcast. Yeah. Hearing you talk about that. So, so um, how old are your kids? 10 and seven. Oh, perfect age. 
Yeah. They can, they can carry plenty as well, see. <laughs> That's it. So. I, mean, I did what I did want. I mean, I know someone, um, a friend of mine, he did it in sections, the South Downs mm-hmm. way. He just did it. I know it's only 100 miles, but, you know, he did a, I think he did it in sort of 20 mile hits, did it over, over several weekends, you know, went back to work, went back to London mm-hmm. and then came back and, and did it again. And, and then, and there's a guy who's done the coast to coast called uh, Day Tripper, uh, Richard, Day Tripper YouTuber. And he, 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 he did it in three sections, I think the coast to coast and came back to London, went back up, you know, to the B&B where mm-hmm. he finished last and carried on. So I think it's doable, isn't it? That's how we're looking at doing the South West Coast path. So, because we're down on Portland. Yeah. So, um, since we moved here, we've been knocking off 10 mile sections with the kids, like on a Saturday morning. Yeah. And then getting the bus home and having the rest of the evening. So, we're, we're nearly done Dorset now. And then we're going to, wow. like, next year, we'll try and get the safe bit of Devon and into Cornwall done. And if we can find a week to do a big section of it. But, I mean, I'd love to just do it in a one I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? You know, you, yeah. just, you just want to get out, do it, do it in one go. Um, so which came first for you? Was it the wild camping or was it the YouTube? Which came? It it was the wild camping. Um, and uh, if I go back a few years, quite a few years, I was in the Cubs and the Scouts as a child and did all the camping and loved it. Then didn't do it again, you know, a long time and then became a dad mm-hmm. and suddenly thought oh i really want to take my daughter camping and she was five at the time and we went to just a little campsite in essex near here and uh, just bought some cheap a cheap tent a bit of cheap gear quite liked it and then i think i just um stumbled across i didn't even really know the term wild camping to be honest with you didn't even know what that meant and i think i just came across it on a google search or youtube or something and then um and then just watched you know hours and hours of other people doing it and thought oh I like, like the look of that and um decided to give it a go and I remember being petrified <laughs> just doing it the first time it was it's, it's funny when I think about what I do now but I challenge myself to do now and doing that first one and then um so I started doing it but I didn't have any intention of oh I'm going to record these and make videos in the future I had no intention at all and then um and, I, and then I, I went out on, a, on and some wild camps with some other YouTubers and saw them doing it. And then a sort of suggestion was made, oh, why don't you have a go? And I was thinking, oh, I don't, I don't know, not really sure. And then I thought, well, what have I got to lose? You know, I could teach myself to edit. I've done a bit in the past, basic sort of stuff back in the day. And um, decided just to sort of see what happens and put it up on YouTube. And people seem to enjoy it. And kind of went from there really and it's just yeah it's just sort of grown so it's four years now of the youtubing of you know, making the wild camping videos um so it's been steady it's been sort of steady and you know peaks and troughs so how often do you reckon you get out then on average then or roughly? um oh it really depends I, I started the year getting a camp a wild camp a month in so january february march april i started it started going quite well and then i think as i got into summer and then the sort of the summer holidays came, you know, kids' summer holiday and everything. It it um it sort of waned a little bit, but hopefully it'll pick up a bit. So my, my aim is always to try and get out and do a camp once a month and to try and make two, up to two videos, related videos a month. So the other video might be a, a kit review or me waffling on about something or the other, or shorts, you know, YouTube shorts, mm-hmm. just to kind of keep it going and 
because the thing with the YouTube is just to try and be consistent. So even if you can only do one a month, it's just to sort of be honest about that and just do one a month. And if you can do one a week, which some people do, I know that's more the full time, you know, the YouTubers. And I guess that people can do that. But it's a funny old beast, YouTube. It really, it, it really, it really is. And I'm, you know, I've learned so much and still learning about, you know, how to do it and how to sort of be yourself and find find your niche and I think it's I think it's taken me four years to actually it's only in the last few few weeks actually I've actually suddenly some I've suddenly had a bit of a epiphany and I'm actually that's why I'm that's why I'm doing this the sort of feedback I've been getting from people is they like it that I'm a I'm in a city and they like watching me leave this city and do this do this adventure thing and these outdoors things and then I thought, well, that's it. That pro- pro- perhaps that's it. You know, perhaps that's right in front of me. You know, I live in London. I've been living in London for, you know, twenty-five years or something, and um, that's what I do. You know, so and some people have said they feel re- they felt quite inspired to get out of their big town or their city from watching my videos, which is brilliant. I mean, that's that's really, really satisfying. And I and then I just thought, well, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it's all about. Is that's kind of what I was interested in because um, I've I'm always really been in rural or semi-rural situations so like the biggest town i lived in is um newport on the isle of wight yeah yeah you know 10 minutes and i'm on the coast and now i'm in portland and i'm five minutes walk and i'm on the cliffs and yeah we we lived up in scotland for a while and that was a sleepy seaside village and we were 10 minutes to the mountains so i've never really had that um urban experience if yeah and then i just wonder what kind of pressures city living puts on like your need to be in the outdoors see one of the things is that you never really see decent sunrises and sunsets because you're surrounded by you know buildings (laughs) like large buildings and everything's big and you know there's eight million people here Mm. crazy when you think about it and very satisfying when you get out but I think yeah, but some people they never they never leave London. You know, they 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 just stay. They just stay because they're in their community, they're in their bubble, and they don't know what's on their doorstep. You know, but it's strange. You know, I look at the map of East London, and it's just you know, I can sort of pinpoint the two green spaces <laughs> that I could potentially go to, and uh, and I probably wouldn't camp in either. You know, no. you know, I go. I've done little like you know, go there for an early breakfast or go for make a coffee on a twig twig stove or something like that but you it, it does force you to be quite smart and it's, it's quite satisfying you can watch because once you get to know and if you can read maps and you're willing to you know drive for an hour or two you can discover some amazing places and you go out east into sort of essex northern kent you know north of london and the i was up on the icknield way on the mm-hmm. in the chilterns um a few months ago with another youtuber i was there in 45 minutes you know just got on the m25 and i was up there amazing views yeah just found these woods we just sat there and just chatted and it was great so, so i think it's yes yes it is a bit intense but there's a lot of stuff out there you know if you're willing to go and find it is that kind of your stomping ground sort of like an hour hour and a half radius of london then would you say yeah i'd say uh you know sussex kent surrey so i grew up in surrey that's that's where i grew up 
but Surrey's so near to London, it's kind mm-hmm. of it's all, it's all a bit blurred, really. You know, just a southerner, I suppose. I do, I do sometimes get further afield. Like I've done one video on in Dartmoor. I did uh, this year, which was amazing. Love that. Whereabouts on Dartmoor did you get to? Fogging Tour and, oh, King, yeah. and King's Tour. Yeah, yeah, we they're quite quite close. Tour. And I, yeah. I just asked a mate who'd done it a lot. He was a bit older than me, and I and I said, look, first time. What do you think it's going to be? And I'm driving down from Surrey because I've got a family base still there. And my mother's still there, so I can kind of go London, Surrey, sort of stay the night drop the children off of their grandma and then drive three and a half hours down, you know, Southwest. Just great. I mean, I even, I even just love the journey, you know, but sometimes the, the, the adventure for me starts when I get in the car, not when I put the tent up, you know, it's just the fact that I've got all the gear, it's in the back of the car, radio's on, let's go, you know, it's brilliant. Um, uh, is there any reason why it took you so long to get down to Dartmoor or is it just a case of timing? Just not going. Never got around to it, to be honest. Rob. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sorry. It just, it just seems to be the mecca for wild camping and outdoorsy people lately, doesn't it? You know. So yeah. because it's like one of the few places we we can legally go and do, and yeah do our hobby. I think it's know. seen as a, as a. I think people in London, it's sort of seen as really far off and a bit mysterious and bleak. So people yeah. don't sort of think maybe to go down go down there and. Um, so do you think it's become a bit more popular, a bit more in vogue do you, to yeah. go down oh, there? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Trevor, who also does um, YouTube, um, Summit or Nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And obviously there was some um, issues with overcrowding, um, like, just after lockdowns and stuff like that. But yeah. I don't know whether it's because we're kind of in that world of content creation around this hobby that we see more of it yeah you know so you know i i watch stuff on youtube and more and more people seem to be making youtube videos of their outdoor experiences so whether because i'm in it i see it more it's like having a yeah you buy a new blue car and then suddenly everyone's got a blue car it's funny because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a YouTube person, but I do think there's so many of us. I know there's millions mm. of us doing it, but then you could argue, as you just said, that maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's inspiring more people to get out and get outdoors in tough times. Then I think, great, yeah, it's. I mean, especially the sort of mental health and well-being. You know, I'm really big on that, and mm-hmm. it's been much more in the last couple of years. Personally, that's been much more of a a thing that's really important to me and um has become a um real sort of solace i guess solace for me and i'm wondering whether during you mentioned about the lockdown you know during during the lockdown whether people discovered that themselves you know because they what was it they went out to do their 15 minutes exercise or whatever it mm. is and you know and bike do you remember bikes took off everyone was biking everywhere getting on their their bikes and I worked all the way through, so I didn't really get I didn't really get to partake in any of the shenanigans. Um so I often say I was keeping the local parks tidy so people on furlough could drink their beer and leave their litter in them. <laughs> That's very much how it felt. That's very much how my lockdown felt oh. that I was just clearing up after people on furlough. Yeah. So, I mean it was shock it was shocking the I mean, you know, talking to people on Facebook about it, and some of the pictures and images coming mm-hmm. through during that time. Do you remember? They were just yeah. Well, well you like, were you you were there, you were there doing it. I mean, it's shocking. Yeah, and, 
10 miles down the road at Lulworth Cove, they there were some videos went viral from there where there was just like truckloads of rubbish bags pulled up every day. Yeah. It was, it was mental. I think people just collectively lost their senses and their, oh, I don't know. I didn't really want to get bogged down in it, to be honest. It makes me ever Yeah. But fortunately, when it all opened up, all those people went back to Mallorca and Benidorm, didn't they? Without stereotyping, people would go to Mallorca yeah. and Benidorm, but you get the idea. You know, people, because I think that's what it was. It was just people who didn't have a clue. And now yeah. the, now that what I call the, the, the dirty campers. Mm. Um, but then. I've yeah. found myself pushing back on that a little bit lately. And it's a position I never thought I would in that um, you see a lot of stuff again on social media of um, it's almost, it feels a bit gatekeepy mm. and you'll get things like um, a picture from, I don't know, a, a mountain in the Brecon beacons that overlooks Penny van and they'll, they'll have, yeah, a photo of all the people queuing for the top of Penny Van or Snowden in North Wales, for instance, and it's almost, it's almost like, oh, look at me, I'm out the crowds, I'm so much better than all of those newbies. Yeah. Without without ever realizing that, well, actually, you like we probably went, I went up Snowden for yeah. my first mountain, and the the reaction to more people wanting to use our spaces. You know, whether it's national parks or areas of, of outstanding natural beauty or our local parks, it's always that stop the new people coming from ruining our thing. But there's never a discussion about as there's more pressure on our parks, can't we have increased funding for more rangers for, mm. and, and, and and for education, not not for tidying up after people, but more rangers that can be on, on the ground, talking to visitors, helping them, educating them. Yeah. But there's never a discussion about that. It's uh, always they're, they're coming in, dropping their rubbish and leaving it for us, yeah. you know, and ruining it for us. Yeah. And yeah, I just yeah. kind of push back and, you know, we, we worry about um, like erosion on trails. Yeah, because there's never enough money for footpath repair. Yeah, the, you know the the um, the agencies that look after our national parks do a phenomenal job with very very little. And surely, if pressures on these spaces are increasing, then their funding should increase. Yeah, as well. You yeah, know, and you, and you can have a look if you if you if you're saying, I don't know, visitors to Snowdon or Snowdonia increased fifteen percent. Well, then let's find a way of increasing their funding by 15%. Mm. No, it's a good point. Yeah. Sorry, I get on a rant sometimes. <laughs> no, 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 I agree with you. And it's just sort of, you know, I look, you look at the sort of the infrastructure in America, for example, and mm -hmm. it, it annoys me that it's so much harder here. And, mm. you know, and there's much more a culture of hiking and camping and, getting out and doing it and everything's sort of set up and and it just seems here it's um obviously it's not impossible because we wouldn't be having this conversation but it just feels harder it's not in the psyche it's not in the culture and and i was talking to someone else the other day about it about the difference between doing wild camping or camping or hiking in scandinavia for example and how then it's so entrenched in the psyche there you know in sweden and norway and it's just the land belongs to the people and it's what you do and you go outdoors and you you just do it 
you know, and you're not having to arrive early and leave late and keep stressing out about, you know, promoting leave yeah. no trace because that's just what you do. It's automatic anyway, you know. Well, see, this is another thing. So um, before we get into Leave No Trace, um, you've recently started a podcast of your own, uh, Wild Camper's Diary, and I think it's been it's really, really cool, and it's very different to what I'm doing here. So I've, yeah. got, no, I've got no stresses about having you on and promoting it because it's very, very different. <laughs> um, and um, so we, each week you, you basically have a chat with us about what's on your mind. And um, you did speak a few weeks ago about Leave No Trace. Yes. Um, yeah. And I've, again, it's another little bugbear of mine where, and it work, and a lot of it is in the YouTube stuff we watch. I wor worry sometimes that, like, leave no trace and hashtag LNT becomes a little bit of a crutch that people rely on in in terms of look, I've left no litter, everything's tidy, but they don't look at the other six tenants of leave no trace so for instance so i yeah. saw a, so i so just to like so i saw a youtube video of a guy going to the woods and he was saying oh look there must have been some irresponsible campers up here because these no camping signs are new but i'm going to go on and camp anyway because it wasn't me because they don't apply to me but the first tenant of leave no trace is to travel and camp on durable inappropriate mm, sites yeah yeah but it's like it that doesn't apply to me because I leave no trace. Yeah, I don't know. No, I think it can become a bit of a like you said the sort of hashtag thing. You know, it's the thing to do, and it's a bit virtue signaling, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, sometimes what I do is I, I try and take out other stuff as well. Mm. So I don't just I don't just not I don't just not leave stuff behind. Mm. But I, I try and take other stuff out. I don't I don't always talk about that. I hardly ever talk about that on my videos. I, no. I don't see it necessary. And, you know, I just want to just, you know, okay, it's just easy. It's there. I've got a bag of rubbish. I'll put that in my bag, mm. you know, and take it and take it out. Um, it, it annoys, it, it, it annoys me that I have to do that. I mean, I do it because I love the outdoors and I want, you know, and I think, as I said on my podcast, it's a sort of a, a thank you to nature in a way, you know, because I'm being given this opportunity to sit and enjoy and to be where I am. And okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to give back a little bit. Almost like a tax on your experience. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, kind of. Yeah. We're quite fortunate. We've got the um, Southwest Coast Path runs all the way around Portland. So we'll regularly, when we go out for our walks, we'll go around the coast and we'll just take a bit of picker and a bin bag with us and we'll do what we can you know pick up we, we, we don't pick it clean but we pick up all the obvious stuff we see and mm. we see that as like our little bit of trail maintenance yeah or if um people are doing the south west coast path in a one if i happen to catch them on instagram i'll say or oh, give me a shout when you're on portland and we'll find you a cup of coffee or a shower if you need one that sort of thing so that, that right. feels like us sort of giving back and that sort of folds back into the leave no trace ethics yeah for me a little bit it's um it, with the wild camping I, I was thinking the other day is I, I i go out and do the wild camping but i don't think i've ever come across another wild camper so either i'm doing it really well or there's just not many people doing it <laughs> you know? 
we, we, you were saying, asking me earlier about how often I get to go out or how often I get to do the videos. And I suppose the answer, going back to that, is not enough, you know, not as much as I would like to. And um, the podcast is something I can do without leaving the house. I noticed there was an, there's another YouTuber called Ash Outdoors and, and who I speak to sometimes, and he had, he had started to do it. And I've been thinking about it. And then I chatted to him about it on Instagram and saying, you know, how did you, what did you do? And how did you, where did you start? And, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to give that a go. It's something I can do. Um, I've done a bit of radio work before in the past. So I had kind of a bit of experience of recording my voice. And um, um, so I've kind of done a bit of that. You know, I've done, I've done a bit of, um, I did a broadcasting diploma way back way back when I was about 18 and um worked with some sort of journalists I actually worked on a radio station and did a bit of news reading in, in my local town and um and in a former life I was an actor so my, my my original job was professional actor before I I went into education which is the sector I'm in now Were so it's always something we would know I doubt it I doubt it <laughs> but it's uh were you in the bill I wasn't, no, oh. no, no, no. So I probably, well, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I auditioned, I remember auditioning for it. I did audition right. for the bill. Yeah, that was a strange experience. <laughs> um, it's a funny old, it's a funny old career. You know, the highs are high and the lows are low. And um, But when I left all that, there was always this need to be creative and to do something creative. And I thought, should I go into writing? Should I do, you know, and um, then I became a teacher. Um, and then the YouTubing came along and I thought, oh, this is a way I can get creative at home and brilliant. I can do it in my own time. I can pick it up and put it down and don't have to worry on a worry about money and everything. It's just something I can do. Um, and then when I, when I did my media course after I did my A-levels, we had to make documentaries and radio documentaries and things like that. And so I remember really enjoying that. So I'm, it's, I'm kind of sort of going back, you know, revisiting old experiences, old skills. And, and um, yeah, it's been a while, but there's things, things I can remember what to do. And, you know, you learn as you go, don't you? <laughs> um, what plans have you got for the autumn and the winter then, camping wise? Um, I've got a couple of weeks time and going back to Surrey and I'm going to do a, a, a woodland camp with some friends i've got dates in the diary but i haven't got destinations yet for the others right so so i'd love to say i'm racing off to dartmoor or something but i haven't so it's all a bit dependent on childcare and stuff but there's mm. the stuff penciled in um but i've got the big you know the big things i'd love to do but i just don't have them i don't have time allocated for them no just no, yet no, no. you know i'd loved i really when i came down to dartmoor you know i really loved it and i just immediately saw myself coming back there i just thought yeah this is somewhere i'd, I'd love to come back to and explore more of and when i did when i made the video one of the things i said in, i said get in the comments everyone and tell me where which tour should i go on next and i thought so i've got this massive list of all these people it's from a lot of yeah. people from your neck of the woods and people who live you know, right near Dartmoor. And so that was really good. You know, I think people were quite excited because it was my first time. So I sort of build it as, you know, Londoner on Dart Londoner on Dartmoor first time, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> sort of drew in the crowds a bit, got people interested. So 
yeah, so I'd, I'd love to get down there. I'd love to, um, I'd love to sort of get up to the, get up north again, you know, get to the peaks. Yeah. Um, north Wales, Scotland. Yeah. Everywhere, really. Ev- yeah, everywhere. I really want to go like hiking properly abroad. So there's obviously like America is the mecca for me. I'm desperate to go to like, well, the old West, if you like, you know, the Rocky Mountains mm. and further on out to California and up into Washington and PCT into New Mexico. PCT, basically, yeah. Do you, do you um, like, do you, does that attract you? Because I know they're quite, what's the word? They're trendy. They, become, they, 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 yeah. they strike me. I mean, they're obviously they're, they're, they're colossal, must be amazing. And those were the trails that I was thinking about when I was talking about American infrastructure and, mm. but, do some people find them that they're a bit, they're just a bit too popular, a bit too, you know, and they go to alternative routes over there? Or So I found, um, so I spoke to Chris Townsend who hiked the PCT like 40 years ago. Yeah. And he was one of like 90 people who attempted it that year. And now I think that the permits are limited to 5,000 a year. Right. But of, of those 5,000, I think only maybe half of them finish. And at time certainly on the Appalachian Trail that seems that it's almost it can be a bit of a rolling party from town to town mm. but it's a two and a half thousand miles by the PCT is two and a half thousand miles if you want your if you want to be on your own I'm pretty sure you can yeah you know if if, if that's not yeah. what you want to do I'm sure you can find your own hike your own hike if you like there's your own way to do it yeah, um, but I think with like the Appalachian Trail and the PCT and the Continental Divide Trail, they're they're, they're what they call the Triple Crown. So there, there's almost an award you can get for hiking all three. Yeah. Whereas you've got things like the Pacific Northwest Trail, which is fairly new, and um, someone who I follow on um, Instagram, uh, Renee Patrick, she's just helped to set up the Oregon Desert Trail, which goes through like the high plains of yeah. Oregon. So that's fairly new, um, but like most states have got their their own little trails. Yeah. Little, they might be twelve hundred miles. It's another world, isn't it? Yeah, it's me, exactly. it's me talking about the South Downs, hundred miles, and it's uh, some of these American yeah. hikers that probably do that in a, in, a, in a couple of days. There's a guy from America I watched on YouTube a while ago. This is going back a few years, and he hiked from. Is it the Nord Cape in Norway, like the northernmost yeah. point of Europe? And he went all the way down Scandinavia and through um, Germany, um, cross border into Italy. And then instead of going on down to Italy, he swung around, went across the south coast of France, did the Camino de Santiago, yeah. and then and then down to like uh, Tarifa, you know, being the southernmost point in Spain. Wow. And like it took him like eighteen months or something to do it. But crazy, isn't it? That'd be amazing. Wow, I'd love to do something like that. Yeah, so. love to take maybe early retirement and just go and do all these amazing things. Oh, well, just... I'd retire tomorrow if I could. Oh. Do you play the lottery? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. This podcast, this podcast's going to make me my millions. That's it.